Church Podcast. With your host, Hodgie the Hack. Hello there everyone and a very warm welcome to Hodge on Nodge. It has been a while, as you can see by the clumsiness of my clicking of the mouse for the intro there. But hello, it's good to be back and I'm back for just a one-off special. We're going to keep it quite quick, quite snappy. I want to learn about Gabrielle Sarah. And with that in mind, I've brought a fellow commentator and friend of mine, Juan Arango, along hey, with me to do so. Hi, how are you doing, man? Wait, doing let, tell, tell listeners and viewers of the podcast where you're speaking to us from. From hot and humid and ultra sweaty Miami. Nice. I've been in hot and humid <laughs> Scotland today. Uh-huh. Can you believe that? No, not actually. Um, well, but I, I, was I mean, I mean, I mean well, it can be humid over there. It usually it is humid, can isn't it? Be. Yeah. Do you know what? Humidity. Uh, not, not, not the hot problem. part, though. Yeah, it's the hot part that's the problem, man. <laughs> but um, we're going to keep it. We're going to keep it absolutely smelting on this podcast uh-huh. today, uh, both in terms of pace and what we talk about. So let's Got just it. get right into it, man. Gabriel Sara, what can you tell us about him? What kind of player is he? Gabriel Sara, I've read a lot of things, and um, there's one notion that one has to truly put out there because one thing that I, in reading on social media and many people that are talking, is him having to adapt to the rigors of the championship. Let me let me tell you one thing. So far in two years, he's played 119 matches. That's crazy. Well, to understand that the Brazilian teams only. We, we've had what a break since May going into August, you know, the, the first weeks of August European league start Brazil only has three weeks. Mm-hmm. Brazil only has three weeks because they start from January to December. They take Christmas off. They start the year again. Uh, they play some play up to five tournaments a year. Some six, if you include a South American tournament, uh, Sao Paulo's case, they play the state championship, the, the Paulistão. They play the uh, Copa do Brasil, the Brazilian Cup. They mm-hmm. also play the Brasileira, which is the Brazilian national team, uh, Brazilian national tournament. There's a state mm-hmm. tournament and there's a national tournament. So in, if you look at Sao Paulo's calendar in 2022, they will play a grand total of 66 matches if they don't get to the final of the Sudamericana. So That's... keep that in mind. So yeah. Jurgen Klopp's moaning about games, and then um, let's just put it in a bit of context. Eh? But yeah, no, that's a lot of football. So one, mm-hmm. of, one of the questions I was going to ask on the yeah. pod was, is it a concern that he's only played two full seasons, essentially, mm-hmm. of football prior to, to this one, which is, is sort of midway through? Two full years, th- you would say, <laughs> especially when you play that- two- so, like, f- fatigue's a question then, potentially, and obviously burnout, but also, uh-huh. like, lack of experience in terms of length of time, length of service. Do you think that it's right to have reservations uh, about that or not? No, I, I think it would be more lack of playing time in, in recent months. He he suffered an ankle injury, had to had to undergo ankle surgery to repair. Actually, did in Copa Sudamericana play back in April. So he still mm-hmm. hasn't come back. He didn't play last night, obviously. He wasn't even on the bench. He's still getting ready to, to come back. But obviously with this with his offer, they said it should be done in the next. Actually, the offer was already accepted. Uh, I don't know what they're saying over in England in terms of, of, of what, uh, what, uh, what the latest is, but that's basically what Global and many other outlets that, that cover Sao Paulo 
have yeah, been talking so, so about. what is the reporting in Brazil exactly then? Talk us through it just like intrinsically verbatim what they're saying. No, I mean, basically, and, and I'll actually, there there is one, I, I will actually quote you on, on one. Give me a second. <laughs> They've said, I mean, they, Sao Paulo and Gabriel Sara have agreed uh, with um, Norwich, Norwich's uh, proposal. He's heading over to England. Mm-hmm. Uh, it should be around 9 million pounds because part of the policy that Sao Paulo has looked to implement over this year is selling players for no less than 10 million or, or 10 million pounds, I guess you would say, if you want to put it from that, or 10 million euros, it would be better, better yet, would be a, a even better estimate. Sao Paulo are, are looking to sell players. Uh, actually, another player that's on, on the block is, is Wellington, who, who plays mm-hmm. over on the left-hand side. Um, Jorge Jesus is looking to bring him over to Fenerbahce and add him alongside William Aral from Flamengo. So you start to look at, at these at, at these additions uh, over Fenerbahce and also over, over Norwich, and you start to see that the, the purpose of Sao Paulo is to be able to generate some income, to be able to generate some money off of transfers. They're expect or they're estimating by the end of the year they should be having, in terms of transfers, in terms of, of, of agreements to transfers, around 25 million euros in terms of, of, of selling players. And there's wow. still one pending to go to Major League Soccer. So, so keep that in mind as, as there's still lots of movement within the Sao Paulo. Uh, and, and they're looking to get more competitive into the Sudamericana, of course, going into next year when they really want to make a run at Libertadores and be able to, to at least get in a more competitive situation when it comes to the Brasileirão. Cool. That, I mean, that's obviously how it's looking from Sao Paulo's perspective. From Norwich's perspective, what they're doing is they are taking advantage of changes with the rules after Brexit, mm-hmm. which actually makes it easier because yes. I think, is it Argentina, Brazil and Mexico? Those leagues are all in band three of the new Brexit rules. Mm-hmm. So what that means is that players, it used, there used to be more of an emphasis on players from other EU countries coming to the UK with regards to work permits. Actually, these markets are now a lot more attractive to, to clubs like Norwich City. Yeah. Now, Curitiba are one of the teams um, that Norwich City have actually implemented a partnership with. So I'm going to come and ask about the Coxa Branca later in the call. In, in, in Later in the call? We're not on a call. Later in the podcast. Well, yeah. um, with regards to, it's kind of a call, isn't it? We're, you can make it sound business-like. That's fine. Yes, that's fine. Well, let's make it sound more serious. To- Heading down to business then, my friend. Uh-huh. Um, what can you tell me about him as a player? So I'm thinking goal-scoring attacking midfielder, hit double mm-hmm. figures for goals last season. But what kind of attacking midfielder is he? He's a guy that likes to shoot, a guy that likes a bit of a sort of dribble, cutting passes. What are we talking about here in terms of stylistically, first of all? I don't even need to be here. You already just answered the question, <laughs> all of the above. If, if you see some some of the goals that he's been able to score, they've been from the outside. It, it, it's... Uh, Helping nice. out a great deal and being that player on transition, being able to win those second balls. There's a couple of goals that you will see that that uh, Sao Paulo starts out from from, play, from playing from the back. They quickly go on, on offense. The forward drops back, is able to recover the ball, nod the ball into space. He runs in. So that, that type of play I'm talking about. But he's also able to recover the ball, hook back inside, and be able to score from out from from outside of the area. He he offers a lot of that. He also understands where to run and who to run off of. And that makes him much more valuable because mm. when he has, let's say, I guess, uh, forward for Sao Paulo right now, Luciano or, or someone along those lines, he ends up being able to play behind him or play off of him. And all of a sudden, when he sees one or two players go and mark him, he finds the space. He's able to be able to 
position himself in a way where he gets the ball and can take one or two touches to be able to set himself up inside of the area. You see a lot of that with him. Now, are you getting a finished product? No, you're not. Doubt it. Not Norwich City, mate. No, yeah, no. I'm I'm saying that because I, I, as much as I say a lot of the good things, I'm also going to say, hey, don't think that you're getting a polished product because many are going to say, well, what about is he as good as Julian Alvarez? Let's say, for example, I would say well, no. I'll, I'll give you a better. I'll give you a better one because especially when you're talking about transitions, right? Mm-hmm. One of the best abilities that Emiliano Buendia had with Norwich City yes. was his ability to win possession high up the pitch. Mm-hmm. And then instigate attacks from from further upfield. Yeah, how does he compare just to Amy Buendia? Because I think that's a really good frame of reference for Norwich City fans, both in terms of level of ability. Because when Emiliano Buendia came from, I keep calling him Emiliano, full Christian name. And um, when Amy came from Getafe, Amy was a player that was a rough diamond. A lot of people thought, and a lot of, and he came the, from a rough diamond of a club. Well, exactly. So (laughs) what happened then was he came over to Norwich City based on quite a lot of what the data analysts had seen about him. And they thought, yeah, this is is too good a chance to pass up. Norwich polish him off. And then he goes for the the massive fee that he did depart the club for in in the end. Now, when I look at Emi Buendia... The, it was the bit you said about possession in high areas and transitions. I'm just thinking, right, how does he compare to Emmy in terms of level, in terms of style, and maybe in terms of character as well? That's a good question. And um, I, you know, right now, I, I really wouldn't be able to tell you. And I'm not, it's not me avoiding the question. It's when you have to, we have to see how he recovers from this injury. Which, which is, yeah. which is a factor that, that really sets in and, he hasn't, like I said, he hasn't played in over two months. Looks like he'll be fine, but when he does have that action, when he does have that 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 uh, first bit of, of exposure, when he does play for Norwich, that, that's going to be my question. Do I doubt that he can handle it? No, I don't. I think I think he can. I think he, mm-hmm. he he can be able to 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 be a contributor, be a player. And again, when when you start talking about these South that this level of South American players. I'm not looking at superstars. I'm looking at contributors because right now you're not going to find a lot of players that are going to be just taking over a game and making a big difference. He can contribute to a game, and I think that's where you're going to end up being very crucial. Go ahead. Well, see, that's interesting because Emmy Buendia was, every Norwich fan will tell you, was a difference maker mm-hmm. as opposed to just being a contributor. So I think that's what, especially given the, the positions and stuff that he plays, I think that's mm-hmm. what Norwich fans will be looking to see, someone that can come in and make a difference. Let's talk about the injury for a little then. Um, what's the nature of the injury? I mean, has he had a history of any of this stuff in the past? Is that no. why he was maybe a bit young, uh, sorry, a bit older breaking into the team? Because it didn't seem to me like he played a lot of football as a teenager. Um, I might be wrong in that because I've just done the bare bones of research at what no, time I mean, are he, we? 1.13 in the morning? Yeah. As he we was, record. Um, no, he, 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 he was part of the youth system over at Cochilla. And which is the the the, the system that uh, Sao Paulo, of course, Sao, Sao Paulo's youth program, Sao Paulo's training ground, if you will. That's mm-hmm. where he emerged. He was always part of that team. He was part of the reserves. He was consistently there. It just took him a, a little bit longer to break through. And mm-hmm. Sao Paulo, let's be honest, Sao Paulo was a team at that moment where he wasn't going to be able to come in because of the internal flux that there was. They were buying a lot of players that maybe didn't contribute uh, they, they were getting players that were flops. There was a lot of turnover at coaching. 
Rogerio Seni comes in, and then you have four other coaches that come in with the span of a year. Now Rogerio Seni's back, and yeah, finally understanding how how to be able. I mean, Rogerio Seni's coached in a span of four years. Has coached like seven teams, or had had has had seven coaching jobs. Two of which happened to be Fortaleza. Two of which happened to be Sao Paulo. So, <laughs> and then he had, coached Cruzeiro for a whole three and a half weeks. So again, it's part of that whole turnover that when coaches aren't successful in Brazil, they end up going for another coach and another coach and another coach. It's it's a coaching carousel in Brazil. And when you start to deal with younger players, they end up getting bumped aside and you start bringing in other players and you start yeah. having players come out. So the turnover for players and coaches ends up harming a lot of youth players depending on the club that you're in. It's so it's, it's an emphasis that, on instant success then, yeah. Immediate success, yeah. More than that, I mean, the I, what was it? Oh, God, I, I want the average, the average uh, tenure for a coach in Brazilian football is something along five months. Average. That's crazy. Average, I mean, I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm just okay. thinking about the the average tenure of Norwich City coaches, and people will probably think that there's been a fair amount of turnover of Norwich coaches in recent times yeah. com compared to maybe historically, but I mean, it's, it's, it's nothing approaching that. Uh, so in terms of, in terms of the kids, a player, I, I saw that he was left footed. Uh, I've not been able to see any footage of him because I've just been so crazy with work, which is why, by the way, sorry, everyone, these podcasts are sporadic, but hopefully this is quite a timely one. Yeah. Uh, in terms of Sarah, I mean, is he is he nice in the eyes? Is he a player that's going to lift bums out of seats in, in terms of what he can do on the pitch? And yeah. how do you think he'll adapt to the English game specifically? As far as how he can adapt, I, I think under, I think lately, the past year and a half, he's been able to, to gain the experience and it's, Mind you, when you when we're talking about Brazilian players getting the amount of matches that they're, that they're getting in, in, in this in in this league, it's that they the coaches go and they just throw them in the deep end of the pool and, and either you sink or swim. It's development or development or growth or growth because if you don't, off you go. You know, just as easily as they bring you in and they hype you up, they bring you back out. Keep in mind, Sao Paulo yesterday alone was able to bring in two players that are 18 years of age. One made his, his debut and scored, Rodriguinho. That's another player to be, to be looking at going into the future. But mm -hmm. uh, you start looking at, at Rogério Ceni, and he's given a lot of young players an opportunity. Rogério Ceni also, with his experience as a player, with his experience as a national team player, he's also been able to ground Sada to a certain extent and understand... He's had great coaches also beside him. He had Hernan Crespo. Crespo, Ooh. of course, understands how it is to play in, in, in a league like England. So that yeah, ends up he, he making also it understands that area of the pitch really, really well. But yeah. um, what would you mean grounded? I'm really interested in that comment. Well, what do you mean he grounded them? He, it wasn't that he, he his head was in the clouds. It's, it's that sometimes, remember when you were 17 or 16 and... All of a sudden, you were you were told, "Hey, you're good at something." You know, mm -hmm. your your head's gonna get a little big, but then you need that person. Hey, by the way, okay, but you got to keep working. You need that person to keep you yeah. grounded to maintain your focus as far as what your objective is. It happens with every 16, 17, 20, 21, 22, 23 year old. It's yeah. it's a part of life. So when you have a person that says, "No, you have to keep working," 
or yes, you're doing this well, but it helps you be able to maintain your focus. It, it, it's, yeah. it's the case that it's something that every young player needs instead of those that are sensational and they have a whole group of people around them that say, yes, 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 yes. And everything's good. In Sao Paulo's case and Rogerio Seni's case, he treats them like any other player and is also going to recriminate and challenge them like any other player. That's quite good. And in terms of his level of maturity in his game, when he's on the pitch and and also uh, as a character i mean have there been any discipline problems any off field no. issues anything that we should be aware of no red flags in in that way no i mean not not that, i mean not that i know of unless you know uh, i mean as far as that's concerned no i haven't i haven't heard of anything i imagine you would have in sao paulo particularly in sao paulo yeah there's a lot of focus on on, on that team that market oh yeah, yeah i mean in sao paulo in rio You'd know. I mean, there would be photos of, of Sada, you know, at a nightclub. Hey, by the way, yeah. aren't, you know, and, and fans would say, hey, by the way, aren't you supposed to be home? Aren't you supposed to be doing this? So, so, so there, I mean, a player that doesn't cause problems for, for the most part, a player that is coachable, a player that you can uh, play inside, outside. Yeah, you see, I think it's something like 119 matches and 17 goals. For his position, that's not bad. If, if you look at it. he's not a number nine. He's playing out wide. He can play, you know, and, and is is basically a secondary, even a tertiary forward, if you want to call it even tertiary. But mm -hmm. a player that can join the attack, a player that can create, a player that can play off of spaces and and, and offer opportunities for his teammates. That ends up being, and, and and with all that, he still ended up being one of the top goal scorers for Sao Paulo in, in one of his campaigns. So again, you 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 have a player that can do it. Again, it's going to take a little bit of time. And, and will he be adapted to the rigors? Yeah, I think that's going to be like, well, I do this all the time. There's nothing new here. As mm -hmm. far as the speed of the game, that's going to be different now. The of speed course. of the game, that'll be a little bit different. And that's something that he's going to have to uh, get accustomed to and mentally slow it down to be able to be up to pace. What what gear does he play the game in? Is he a, a high action player or is he more of a kind of composed, cultured type? Um, but both. Yeah, I mean, if if you see what he's able to do, I mean, he he's he understands where he needs to be, and he knows how, and it's a quality that that maybe he needs to acquire a little bit more of, is when to change his speeds. You know, because you have players that that go and and they're full tilt all the time, and maybe you kind of get okay. Well, he's going to be full speed, or he doesn't move around, or he doesn't run. No, quite the opposite. With him, he's able to drop back and and defend. He's able to go forward and attack in, in whenever needed. Obviously, be that first line of defense if you need to press up high, which is something Sao Paulo tends to do. Mm -hmm. So, whatever you really need him to do, he ends up being a very functional part of the overall scheme that Sao Paulo is looking to implement. Well, see, that's really good. I like the idea that he's adaptable. Is there? a preferred formation that, that he has played in that he seems to like to play in or do you think he's the kind of player you could probably plug him into a few areas and would you pinpoint anywhere in particular in the field as his best position or do you think he's quite versatile let's actually you know what? that's good that you mentioned that because when you look at what Rogerio Senni has been able to do from a tactical standpoint he likes to play with a back line of three maybe even a back line of five if need be you do have I guess at times he can play a 5-4-1. At times it's a 3-5-2. So, so basically, Rogerio Seni's tactics are ever-changing, if you will. And Interesting. He's so so you 3-4-3, three, three, 
But basically, with one of the core principles is playing a back line of three and playing out of the back. So you end up having a player like that. You have to have a player that goes deep and is able to win those balls, which he can do. Or a company, when the ball is going deep and he can win a second ball, he can do that. Or if he ends up having to play off a dribble and plays out wide and he can win it inside, he can do that as well. So again, it depends on how the wide play at Norwich is going to be. And seeing Norwich's style the past couple of years, I guess you want to say that, it's something mm-hmm. that he can adapt to if they continue that that path, if they continue going It's going to be interesting because it might change under Dean Smith in the championship. I think there's yeah. a few question marks about that. It's not, I don't think it's going to be Daniel Farka football. And to be mm-hmm. honest, the club lacked a playing identity last season other mm-hmm. than losing. Uh, I mean that 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 was pretty much the definition of the of the identity. In terms of Sarah, I, I think there's there's some interesting stuff to go on there. I, I'm interested to know as well in terms of him as as a figure within a team that is challenging for promotion. Do you think he has the metal to handle the the pressure of being expected to win games and? and be part of a, a a group of players that contributes to that, but also individually providing maybe some match-winning moments in, in a promotion charge. He was at Sao Paulo, and uh, with Danny Alves, with a group of players around him that seemed to always be in the midst of, of some type of controversy. And keep in mind, within Sao Paulo, I'm talking about, when you start talking about the national level, that ends up changing a little bit more. Within Sao Paulo... They are one of the focuses of, of, of uh, that city. If not, it's Corinthians. If not, it's uh, Palmeiras. If not, it's Sao Paulo. And uh, you start looking at it from that perspective. And, and the problems that Sao Paulo had, even at some point, they were in, in that mix of, of fighting relegation. So not only has he dealt with, with very strong personalities in the dressing room, he's also mm-hmm. dealt with very critical situations within the club. So when you Sao Paulo's gone through those types of issues in the past couple of years. And for the most and actually they were they were in, in trouble at the beginning of this tournament until Rogerio Seni came in. I think Rogerio Seni's coached 22 matches and they've only lost three or four. Don't quote me on that, but somewhere along the it's something like three or four matches out of their last 22, they've only lost four and they've won like uh, like 13, something along those lines. I'm, I'm again, I'm just guesstimating, but you, you kind of get the, the drift in terms and, of and has he been a contributor at all? Too. Has hmm? he been a contributor at all during that time, or has that all come well, during well, his injury? Keep in layoff? mind, he hasn't played since April, yeah. So, like, that's that's all during the injury layoff, then, yeah. There, yeah. yeah. So, so, so the club itself, and, and of course, when even when a player's even when a player's injured, you're still within within a club, you're still within the team, and of course. You know, so so you do feel the effects of that. How he comes out of it, that's another issue because we don't know yet. Again, I always want to bring in that little asterisk, which is he's injured right now, or, or he's recovering from an injury right now. And that's what makes it that much more 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 important to see how he comes out of it and what type of player he is because of that injury now. Yeah, totally. And it's interesting you bring up the point of the kind of Sao Paulo telenovela style thing. Is this yeah, I mean, I mean. Keep in uh, Sao Paulo, Rio, and Buenos Aires. Those those cities are pressure cookers when it comes to of course. to to your. I mean, 
I think Sao Paulo has something around somewhere around 200 teams in Sao in the greater Sao Paulo metropolitan area. 200 clubs. Just for context, Norwich yeah. is uh, Norwich come from Norfolk, and it's a one club county in terms of yeah. professional teams. So. I, I'm just I'm I'm comparing it to London. You know what I'm saying? Like how, how many teams does London have? Over well, there? if you include non-league teams, there must be quite a lot, but it's not that many. Um, and so, just on the just on the note of the uh, c- coming in, the adaptation, the kind of player he is, mm-hmm. does this surprise you? In terms of, there's all sorts of names of South American players that could be coming to Europe. Obviously, the door to England, as we've said, is slightly more ajar than it was. Mm-hmm. Did you expect him to be one of the ones to make the move? And did you expect it to come at injury sort of situation aside, but say he was, he was fit and, and ready to go? Would you have expected this to be around the time? Because I think there's a natural time for South American prospect style players where they look to move to Europe, regardless of where the destination is. Did you think Sarah's time was now, or do you think it's come a bit early? I, bit I was. I, 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 if you ask me, yeah, I'm. I, 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 I kind of got a. I, I kind of got caught off guard because I personally, I'm not saying that that someone that covers Sao Paulo necessarily would agree. As I have a visitor here, so give me a second. <laughs> That's all right. Hi there. <laughs> it's the cat of a name. Huh? Oh yeah. Well, this one, this one, he never smiles. He never, he never smiles, and he's never sad. He has the same look. So of course, I have to call him Roman, like we came in. <laughs> Quite so, right, Roman. Best uh, performance I've ever seen in the flesh, right? Was uh-huh. Juan Roman Riquelme for Villarreal against Celtic. The guy never broke into a jog, and he dominated the game. Yeah, outstanding well, yeah. football. And, and and he never and he never broke a smile. No, no, he never broke a he never broke anything, like except the injuries he had. I don't know if any of them were breaks, except but... other teams' ankles. <laughs> yeah, well, that as well. But, but going back to your going back to your to your if you ask someone that covers Sao Paulo, maybe they would say, Oh, this was this has been a long time coming. It it probably has because there's players that it's a reality in South American football, and, and at least with Sada, he's 23. And he, he's emerging. And one of the realities of South American football is once these young players emerge and they start establishing themselves in a prominent position within their clubs, many clubs decide to sell. Mm. And, and fans don't end up enjoying a player long enough. You know, maybe yeah. a couple of years. Oh, yeah, you're right. He played for Sao Paulo. But he just played 119 matches, which in Brazil is like 10 somewhere else. <laughs> it, it ends up being that reality. Julian Alvarez is the same thing. Although he 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 started much younger at eighteen, and yeah. now he's leaving to City at twenty one, so he had a few years under his belt. But and they managed to that buy have... that extra six months, obviously with the the deal being agreed in January as well. So they got exactly. an extra six months out of him at least. Exactly. So so when you start looking at it from that perspective, you know once they're twenty three and they're good, I'm not even saying great. Now they're good. They're going to Europe. Whether they're fully developed or not, at this stage, if if ten years ago, fifteen years ago, the player was fully developed, mm-hmm. yes, but you knew that at that point they're going to Europe in six months. They have to. If not, then there, yeah. there's something wrong. But again, you if you ask me about Sada, I would say I maybe a little bit surprised, but you see all all the factors kicking in, and, and you know that that eventually, sooner rather than later, he was going to leave. That's fair enough. Okay. This is one I'm totally putting you on the spot, Juan. Mm-hmm. Um, three random facts. Have you got three random facts for me about Gabriel Sara? Can be so anything random. you want. Again, it can be as spurious as you want. 
uh, I mean, oh, you got me there. I mean, I don't know him that well, but, but, uh, well, <laughs> Sorry, like I, said, I, I knew that would catch you out because I thought, yeah, no, no, I, no, it's, I okay. gonna... it, it's fair. It's fair enough. I, it's, it, it's, um, you know, he, he, he's been, I mean, to, to be able to, I mean, to, to start giving you these facts. No, I'd be lying to you if I start saying anything, you know, very specific about him. I mean, no, I, I've right. seen him, I've, I've covered him in terms of, of, um, of Sudamericana in terms of Libertadores in the past, but but outside of that, you know, I'm not going to go start saying that that I'm an expert on him. I'm I'm absolutely you know oh, not from fine. that perspective. Like, you, you don't need to name his dog, but just yeah. um, if you, if you know anything about his, his character, anything about um sort of growing up, no, uh, and, well, like well, who there, he supported, favorite there, players, anything like that. There's Trivia there's stuff. certain things about him. I mean, Rogerio Seni said things about him saying, look. You know, he's a player that I'm expecting to be a contributor, but him alongside others, I know that I'm no longer going to have. And it's a shame because I would like to have him a little bit more. And I've seen what type of character he does have. So from that perspective, you start seeing what the coach says about him. I think that that says more than what I would be able to, to contribute. But when you hear Seni say it, that ends up being something that ends up, I, I think, having a little bit more value, if you will. And, of and course. As, as far as what he can offer that that ends up being now that, now there's there's something that to me ends up generating a bit of curiosity because yeah sada comes in but what is the future of norwich especially uh, with with the rumors of timo puki probably you know leaving or anything along those lines i mean what what that ends up being one uncertainty so he might have to try and adapt in a different position do they try and play him elsewhere i mean what are the pretensions they have with him over there that's the big question at least for, from my standpoint Mm. In terms of anything that was agreed, do you think that the the deal and the and the decision to obviously things look like they're going not to to, to very much be a Norwich City player and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um West Bromwich Albion were also linked. Yes. And most of the reports I see tend to suggest that Norwich were able to outbid them. Now it's worth mm -hmm. saying, um, because I haven't stipulated this in the podcast. Actually, there, there's talk that his agent is actually finalizing documentation with with uh with with uh norwich yeah so i mean it looks it looks pretty much mm -hmm. touching wood like it's I going through i think the only thing is if in the event that norwich does end up selling him elsewhere what percentage does sao paulo end up getting which is all, always in recent years that's been one of the talking points hey um you know how we end up getting 10 percent, 20 percent, 5 percent, something along the you know 15, there, is, there is another aspect about the deal as well juan which mm -hmm. is norwich city have structured a few deals like this for dimitris yanulis etc etc yes and in, in the recent past so it's a loan with an obligation to buy if the club mm -hmm. is promoted. I'm not sure if there's going to be an option to to buy even if the club doesn't go up. I'm not sure if there's going to be what the parameters of the deal are going to be, but I think you're quite right. I think there will be a sell-on involved. I think mm -hmm. that's quite a common thing with deals involving Stuart Webber, the sporting director. And I, I'm just interested to see how that side of it pans out. Well, I go back let, to let me, let me add one more yeah, thing to you what want. you just said because of that, that sale. Part of that, uh, that amount that... Um, that they're estimating mm -hmm. as far as the overall earnings that Sao Paulo would have. Part of it does include that possibility. Yeah. So, so keep that in mind when it comes to, to, to that particular, that particular transaction. Yeah. So j just clarify that. So what, what possibility, what would exactly clarify just that previous statement exactly just for our listeners. Cause I just want to make oh, sure. No, I was just picture. talking about Sao Paulo. Right, um, Sao Paulo came out with, with, or, or there was a report that came out that Sao Paulo's, 
basically br they broke it down based on on uh, financial semesters or trimesters, mm -hmm. I guess you can say. And um, they are expected that by the end of the year, the total amount of money that they would be able to generate out of selling players, different players that they have on the on the market and and uh, you know po possible transactions of players outgoing would end up being around uh, I'm, I'm trying to it's 150 160 million reais which is somewhere along 25 26 million um 25 26 million euros it doesn't wow. seem like a lot but when you start looking at what you can get in south america or, or what you end up getting out of a player in south america that that's a huge but that's a huge amount of money to be able to restock and reinvest in your team, especially with your with your aspirations of trying to go and compete in 2023 after the World Cup, trying to compete for, for the Brasileirão and trying to be a competitive team. I'm not saying win. I'm saying be competitive and be able to get to Copa Libertadores come 2023. Makes sense. What's the coolest thing you've seen him do in a football pitch, whether that be best performance, best goal? Um, what's the, what's been the Hollywood moment that stands out? Or you can Hollywood pick two or moments, three. There was there was a deep ball. It just seemed chaotic at the moment. I, I think it was against Sierra. I'll, you know, I'll, if, if it's if it's not against Sierra, I'll correct myself. I have to look at the video again because I, I saw it, it was it was a great ball. That's that's one over the goalkeeper comes out. He he's able to play it out wide. The forward. Instead of dropping back, he drops out to the side, able to win the ball, nods it on. He takes about a 40, 50-meter jaunt, gets past two defenders, cuts back inside, sets it up perfectly for his left foot, back of the net. Beautiful. So, Can you do me a favor? Can you make sure you get that goal of footage of it exists online to me, and then I'll huh? make sure and tweet that out? Uh, yeah, actually, actually, I, I saw it. Uh, yeah, I think Global uh, was posting it as well. They, they posted some of his some of his best goals. Now... As far as it being geo blocked or not, that's another issue. I have to, I'll have to find out how, how how to get that. But that was one of the moments. Those there's one that you start to see how he positions himself, how he runs into the spaces. So so you start to see little things, and, and especially my advice to you, if you do see this video, if it does come out, um, or if it, it if you start seeing, is don't even pay attention to the ball. Pay attention to where he is and where he's going, because you know he he can run Good very advice. well laterally. He can run very well into spaces. He can make the diagonal runs behind the forwards. Those are the things that you start to get out of out of him every time you see the goals. Obviously, if you can get footage of the matches, that would probably be even better because you get an even better idea what he can do with, with the ball at his feet. But again, if, like I said, just make sure that you understand that he's coming off an injury. So it's going to take him a little bit of time to get back into the swing of things. One of the things I really like about this conversation and talking about mm -hmm. him is he sounds to me like a player that's pretty intelligent. Um, I don't mean in terms of like Mensa candidate that can reel off pie to a thousand digits. I mean, intelligent in terms of football intelligence seems like a, a, a player that has the mental side of the game in terms of movement and, and, and how to understand phases of the game, how to understand uh, situations and matches as well, mm -hmm. by the sounds of it, seems to have that quite quite well down and maybe that's actually a byproduct of breaking into the team a bit later sometimes when you expose young footballers too early then mm -hmm. what can happen is there's a lot of focus on the make something happen type of side of things do you have the flair do you have the the ability to impact a game in that way whereas if a player spends longer at the younger level sometimes 
it's the less glamorous sides of the game actually become more developed by the time they break in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like the way you put it because you you're know, liking the hypothesis. The, at least the, the the no, the analogy you start to, to bring up is is well, it, it's kind of learning calculus before you even learn how to add. In some cases, <laughs> in some players' cases, because another mathematical metaphor, I like it. Yeah, but but it, but again, if if you look at it from that perspective, he's had pretty good coaches in terms of the purpose. Um, mm. Maybe they weren't successful. But when you start looking at, at at the outcome, and maybe if you start seeing him be successful at Norwich and, and, and beyond, then you start looking at, at, at moments when he was coached by Hernan Crespo and, and he understood where to be or where to run to. Mm. You, or you start looking at Roger Yoseni, even a Fernando Dini's. I'm talking about coaches that maybe haven't been too successful in terms of results, in terms of, of, of titles, in terms of, of, of overall success from a team standpoint. But from a theoretical aspect, you, you you end up being trained and understand the theories behind of the movements that are supposed to be created off of certain certain motions, off of certain feints, off of certain uh, you know accompanying runs, that type of thing. That's where you understand some of these players or some of these coaches and their philosophies. Now, is he stepping into a philosophy that will be appropriate for him? That to me is the big question. Again, yeah. I've seen Norwich play before. I've seen their style of play. And it seems that style is go is appropriate for him. Now, what he's coming into is it that same style? And what you're ba or what basically saying is no. No, we'll I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying no. I'm saying that I don't have a definitive answer to that yet. Yeah, because it's a maybe because the team was so poor last season. Mm -hmm. It was hard to pinpoint what the style was meant to be. I think there was a lot of pragmatism involved. I think when you go down to the championship, you can begin to be a bit more idealistic, maybe, in terms mm -hmm. of the way that you approach games. Idealism's fine, as long as it works, as long as it delivers results. But you're talking about a philosophy that suits Sarah. How would you describe a philosophy that suits him? Obviously, attacking and, and, and maybe a bit of creative freedom in there is part of that, but how would you describe the overall philosophy that would say? Sao Paulo, yeah. Sao Paulo plays with the ball to the ground, moving it around back and forth, trying, like I said before, playing it out of the back and, and, and trying to, to weave passes, moving it back and forth, trying to look for, for runs, trying to look for players that, that are cutting back, players that can hold the ball and, and be able to make that darting run and and also a forward that can drop back and cover and move around, rotate. You see a lot of players in, in Sao Paulo's philosophy. Okay, we press, but we move, but we shift, but we come through. So the spaces aren't as apparent. Yeah, we play with a back line of three. We play playing out of the back. We go play out wide. Yesterday against, uh, and maybe this is not the best reference, and maybe the match before that uh, against Universidad Católica wasn't the best because they ended up playing at one point with eight players. They had three players sent off is that you have a club that does work a lot with wide players, that creates a lot down the wings, that is able to start from the outside in and find those players. And that's where you end up seeing the difference with the players that, that are wide. They're the ones that end up creating the spaces, that end up creating the mismatches with players that have the technical ability, but also the pace to be able to make a difference that as soon as they bring those balls, they cut them inside or they send across inside. You end up seeing those, the, the Lucianos, uh, the Rodriguinos uh, in, in company 
being able to come in and truly find an open area where they can attack. Now, is that is that something that Norwich has been able to implement to a certain extent? And the championship, yeah, the championship. There we go. But not in the Premier League, and that's the (laughs) that is the great chasm that Norwich City have to try and and build up some sort of bridge over if they do manage to go back up because that's the challenge this season: two consecutive uh, championship winning seasons followed by a very meek relegation. Uh, that's where the club is at. Now, wh- one thing that stuck out, and it comes back to the Rogerio Seni tactics, it comes back to what you're mm-hmm. saying about versatility, is I've got a graph in front of me here, which is from a, w- one of the key websites that I use when, when I'm preparing for a football commentary myself. Mm-hmm. And the positions it's listed that Gabriel Sara has played, right back, left back, defensive midfielder, central midfielder, right midfielder, left midfielder, attacking midfielder, wide right on in a three wide left and a three. So all that you're missing there is goalkeeper, centre-back, centre-forward. And coach's that... assistant. What, sorry? And coach's assistant. <laughs> uh, just a bit But, but else. again, you, you start... Now, Now when, when you see that, is it technically that he's playing there? At times, yeah, because Sao Paulo did have some issues in terms of, of COVID, in terms of... Yeah, he's they've had those issues before, but... He's also moving around and rotating because everyone else does the same. I mean, there, mm. there, there's certain points where yesterday for I mean, I, I used yesterday because I did commentary for that match yesterday between Sao Paulo and, and Católica. You would have the, I guess, the, the back line of three. You'd have the left central defender push up. That would force the wing back to drop back. Mm-hmm. Or you'd have one of the defensive midfielders shift into the middle. The central defender in, in the middle would shift over. So you still remain, you, you'd find ways to be able to maintain that back line of three, or you'd have the wing, one of the wing backs dropping back, different ways to be able to come through. You'd have the number nine, maybe drop back into a more central uh, midfield position because it would allow the second forward to go up. You'd see a lot of those different rotations. And, and it makes sense what you, what you just said, because that statistic is pointing that out, that whether he was out wide, whether he was in the middle, whether he was dropping back or going forward, you saw him in different areas doing different things, do, having different functions and different responsibilities and understanding each and every one of them. Mm-hmm. Well, that that's a good thing. I, I mean, I think there's always a balance between a player being able to do a bit of that. So you think of what they do or, or they've traditionally done in the Netherlands, for example, mm-hmm. where they'll get players to play every position so that yeah. round, rounds their overall understanding yeah. of the now, game. But if, then there's if, also a balance mm-hmm. with sort of making sure that players don't become too versatile, that they don't have a defined role or position. Now, looking at just the extrapolating from what you've said, from the evidence that I've seen, it looks like we've got someone who's something between a number six, a number eight, and a number 10. Probably emphasis for me on the number eight, number 10. Is that mm-hmm. accurate? More number eight, I would say. More number eight. That's good to know. Yeah. Because I think I would... that's a position where Norwich could do with someone who offers something a bit different. Yeah. Now the problem is if he starts playing as a number eight, as a number ten, as a number six, in all, in all those positions, I think Norwich is in trouble. <laughs> to be quite honest, if if you have him as, as one of those those stopgap type players, then yeah, you're going to be in trouble. But but he can go and cover. He it also shows that he's a player that's willing to work with and for the collective. That's true, and that's not a bad thing at all. Now, no, no, it's oh, not. I always be left left-footed players, and I always think, right? I don't know what it is. There always seems to be 
and <laughs> I don't know. I, I speak to different commentators, Juan, mm-hmm. and some are one way of thinking, some are another way of thinking. Some think, oh, mm-hmm. the, the whole focus on left-footed players is overblown. It doesn't really mean anything, blah, blah, blah. What, what, what did they say, what? So, like, you know there's a bit of a focus sometimes. If a player's left-footed, it always seems like a more noteworthy thing to comment on than the fact that they're right-footed, right? That that mm-hmm. has been something that I have always found to be the case. What I've found in, in more modern times, obviously you're hoping that players are a bit more two-footed. Now, would you say he's very, very weighted on his left? Or is he quite two-footed just with a preference for the left, would you say? And then, just in addition to that, actually... Is he more comfortable as an inside forward cutting in from a right-hand side position or on the natural side? I I, I think he's more that, that type. I mean, based on the goals and based on, on the scoring opportunity, I should say more than anything else. He's mm-hmm. been, he's more inclined to, if, if he's playing outside to cut in, I, I haven't seen him go down the, go down and, and send a cross all the way at the byline and, and send it into the, it's more him cutting inside from the right into the middle. That I guess that inverted role, if you will, and, and he's yeah. able to create his own shot based on that. But he's been there's been times that he's played on the left side, and as soon as he wins the ball over, it takes one or two touches for him to set up his left foot. He also mm-hmm. does have that capability of, of of protecting the ball and being able to position himself in such a way where he That's can important. he can take one or two touches and and either feed the ball to a teammate or take a you know take a shot on target. So when when you start looking at it. The answer is a little bit of both, and based on the positioning, based on how he plays, based on where he can also accompany, he ends up being a good option in the channels. He ends up being a good option if he's going go out, if he's going to go out wide. He's not going to go all the way down. He's going to cut inside, and he becomes mm-hmm. another option inside of the area as well. Cool. Oh, and Always. by the way, he, he's he's pretty decent in the air. I'm not I'm not going to say that in set pieces he's going to make a difference. I'm just going to say he can come in if if someone whoever's on the right sends a cross inside or on the left and he's making that run, that internal run, he can go in and, and, and be an option. I'm not going to, like I, I said, just I'm, he's thinking. not, he's not no, going to say 10, you know, he's not going to score five or 10 he- goals via headers, but he's going to be there and he's going to be effective. It's incredible that you just did that because my, my brain's frantically scampering around going, what have I not asked about yet? And that was one of the things I hadn't asked about. And it was the mm-hmm. next one I was coming to. The other one I would say is in terms of if he is playing as that number eight, that involves taking possession in the midfield area, keeping possession. I like what mm-hmm. you say about him using his body intelligently, thinking the modern game, that's an absolutely vital skill, especially for players who the the emphasis in, in most of the areas that their, their heat map is going to have them picking up the ball is can they do that? Can they keep possession that way? Because it's not like the old days where you had to just, I mean, if you think of uh, like Ronaldo Nazario, when it was basically bouncing off about five tackles and then just trying to get a shot off before someone came in and, and signed yeah. his leg away. It's not like that now. It's, it's more about using the body intelligently, winning free kicks, all of that side of it. But if you yeah, look- you, you don't have as many players collapsing on, on an individual player, by design, it's it's you know basically Indeed. a frantic run. You know you, you don't you no longer have well you know six or seven players surrounding one, and and, and you know if he breaks through and, and he wins his matchups more often than not, it does create very unbalanced situations for the opposition. Exactly that. So, do you think he'll be able to handle the? I mean, we spoke about the pace of the game, but also the frenetic nature sometimes of the midfield area when it comes to the English Championship, and then hopefully the Premier League as well. But let's park that for now because that feels like a different question, a different equation. If Norwich City go up, depending on how Gabriel Sara does, we can maybe come back 
next year and have this chat again and look ahead to mm-hmm. him as a Premier League player. That would be awesome. But looking that's at it right great, now, yeah, do you yeah, think he'd handle it? That's a great question because Brazilian football allows more spaces. Brazilian football allow is, is not as fast. Now, from a transition standpoint, it is. But from a play, from, from the development of play, it's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, like I, I said, it, I think I, I mentioned it before, that change of speed is going to be a major factor. And he's going to maybe not have to play faster, but he's going to have to mentally see the game slower. Once he gets to that point that this game slows down in his mind, I think that's when you start to see a better contributor of a player that's finally understanding what, what it takes for him to be able to do it. I, I wouldn't be able to tell you if, if that's going, if he's going to be successful or not, one's not in a player's head, but that that's the approach that a player has to take in order to be able to make that jump. The game has to slow down in his mind for him to be able to truly read all the information that's, that's being given to him on, on the pitch on a consistent basis. Yeah, I think that's fair enough, man. Um, last thing I want to come on to is mm-hmm. not actually Sarah related. So Norwich have started uh, a partnership with Cody Tiba. Um, mm-hmm. Have I got my accentuation of that right there? Because I've not yeah, actually seen sorry. it. Yeah, that's fine. Um, and that partnership is something that they're going to look to develop. I know for a fact uh, that that's something that the club are, are very keen on, is looking at these international partnerships. And I think it's something you see a lot more in the modern game, whether that be in the kind of city group ownership type model yeah. or whether that be just partnerships between clubs, affiliates, etc., etc. Now, do Curitiba have anyone that you think is a good prospect that is of Norwich City kind of level? So by that, I mean not that one of the bigger English teams are going to come swooping more that it might be sort of English championship might be a good move for them, that the English game might suit them. Is there any others from that partnership that you would immediately pick out and say, oh, do you know what? They might actually be someone Norwich should think about, whether that be now uh-huh. or maybe in a year or two. Let, you know, you cut me off guard there. And Yeah, that's all right. You can I'll have a think it. about no, no, it. But that, that, but that, that's, no, it's perfectly fine. Um I can see the machinations of the brain working. I love this. It's, I mean, Kurichiba throughout this entire, I mean, because they, they they were playing in, in South American competitions until recently. Uh, I mean, you have a lot of young players and, and really none of them, none of them really stood out. To be quite honest, I, I did a couple of Curitiba games in, in the enough. initial phases of this competition of, of the Sudamericana, and you saw players that, that maybe have potential and they're just still a little green and they need more time. But then when you start talking about it from from a from a from a Sudamericana standpoint, actually, I'm 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 looking right now to be quite. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm, no, I'm that's all right. Looking, I, I know what it's like. I, I'm looking right now because I'm I'm easier. trying. I'm trying to find a way to, to jog my memory because this, I mean, the last Curitiba match I did was back in April. See, see the other thing is Juan, right? And I yes. Mean, yeah. Go ahead. I, I don't want us to sound like, you know, Oh, oh we commentate games, blah, blah, blah. But no, when you're a no, football, no, comment, when yeah, you're a football right. commentator, you know, right. It's huh? like, Whatever you're focusing on at that time is what you... So that's why it's great that we've got you on tonight because you did a Sao yeah. Paulo game last night. Awesome, yeah. right? But 
it's what you're focusing on at that time. Mm-hmm. So, for example, when I worked at Eurosport, my knowledge of ski jumping and, and German football and stuff like that was That'd where be a great my conversation was. for ski jumping. <laughs> oh man, honestly, some of the stuff make a great I podcast used to for them. Crazy, mate. Honestly, absolutely. You have crazy. to be crazy to be a ski jumper. What are you talking Absolutely about? Absolutely, you do. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that, and then winter biathlon, and all of these crazy sports that, mm-hmm. that Eurosport are so are so yeah. keen on. Knew about that then. Now has absolutely no. I, I mean, I don't even remember the big names. No, nothing on my radar. But obviously, German football was my focus then. As soon as I mm-hmm. became the Norwich City commentator, I mean, that was a bit different. I grew a love for the club. All of that stuff sort of yeah. happened. And now, unfortunately, I'm afflicted with being a Norwich City fan permanently. But <laughs> in terms of the, 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 the kind of greater picture, you know that what you focus on at the time is where your head is at. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if you've got a list of oh, Corey no. Diva players, um, let's 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 talk through it. Just, just in terms of very much <sighs> focusing on the prospects might suit mm-hmm. England, might suit Norwich. As of right now, I, I mean... Nothing, so it's a pointless partnership. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's not pointless. I mean, if, if the club are looking to, to 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 establish something in the long term, yeah, you, you you would start keeping an eye on players like Matias Galarza, uh, those types of players that that you end up Who's bringing that? on. Who is he? What does he do? Well, he, he's 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 a midfielder. He he's a um, player over, uh, that that uh, obviously from Paraguay, twenty years mm-hmm. of age. A midfield that, that you can see him developing into something right now it ends up being a bit of a struggle for them because first of all first and foremost they're understand how one has to understand because i say well they're struggling but they're in cup spots wait that makes no sense when you look at brazilian if you look at the overall table of brazilian football it's 20 teams one through 12 go to south american football go play south american cups curitiba's in 12th then there's three or four teams that pretty much are in limbo. One or, mm. And then the bottom four after that go into relegation. So, so you, you have 12 teams in South American. So if, if I go and tell someone that's not familiar with South, they say, oh, yeah, well, they, they can't be that bad if they're, if they're playing Sudamericana or in the, they're in a Sudamericana spot. Yeah, they're in 12th place, 12 out of 20. Yeah. And then, you know, so, so then it ends up being confusing. So in order to give context... As of right now, as of right now today, I think the youngsters for Curitiba are still very green, very, very green in terms and lacking experience, and find themselves in a position that if they continue their poor run of form, they just I think they this past weekend against Fortaleza, they were able to end a, a losing streak of like five or six matches. Mm-hmm. So when you get in those situations, and I, we talked earlier about how Brazilian football presidents end up going into panic mode. As soon as they end up losing yeah. two or three matches, coach is gone. So, is that the right situation to be to be looking at young players? Maybe not. Let's flip this. Mm-hmm. What about the opposite? So, so this is me doing my own, not the football club, mm-hmm. Vasco da Gama, Brave New World Explorer, right? Mm-hmm. I am thinking now. What about young Norwich City players heading there for a different culture, a different experience? to learn some stuff. Can you see there being anything conducive about that environment for, for any young players that might be at Norwich City that they might want to loan out for extra experience? Because obviously there's going to be lots of English football league clubs 
Um, they've done loan deals with Fortuna Sittard and and clubs around Europe with, with different players at different times that have mm-hmm. more often than not worked quite well for the development of the player, whether it made them an Norwich City player in the end kind of level or just developed them as a player to, to go elsewhere and, and forge a career, whatever that may be. Norwich have been quite good at doing that, I think. Is there anything, any type of player that might benefit from the experience of going to Curitiba? Um, oh, yeah, no, th- 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 to go there, that's a different yeah. story. Yeah, so I, think they, I, I, I think hadn't they thought of that before the pod. I think they, they would benefit from that. And to a certain extent, and I'll give you another example, because mm-hmm. the, you do have a structure set, Crystal Palace. Yes. That they're, they're set up with, with Botafogo. And they're set up also with Lyon. Botafogo would be a very interesting prospect because when it comes to how they're able to, of course, John Texter has a lot to do with that. Mm-hmm. They're a team that's competing for South American Cups, but I'm talking about Libertadores now. Mm-hmm. So, and on top of that, you're in, in Curitiba, you're, you're, it's Curitiba and Atlético Paranaense. So you mm-hmm. do have an, a nice thing going there. In Rio, that also, by the way, just for the record, is my favourite Brazilian football team name to hear, to hear said by, well, I know you're not Brazilian or, or Portuguese yeah. native speaker, but said the right way. Paranaense, it just sounds good. Yeah, but so you have those two teams pretty much dominating that area. And you go to, or you go to Rio and you have Botafogo, you have Fluminense, you have Vasco. And, and mm-hmm. of course, that ends up being a very interesting culture there where... Uh, depending on who you support, of course, I, I kind of tread lightly when I'm when I'm amongst cariocas, <laughs> and, and, and 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 you know, the, I mean, one of my Brazilian colleagues when I do world feed commentary said, yeah, you know, because when you play for Flamengo, you're the kings of Rio, and I know that he can say that he's a Palmeiras fan, you know. I'm like, hey, <laughs> you you end up, you know, you end up, you know, carrying your cross. You do that. I tread lightly. I'm like, yeah, you know, depending on the team, but. When you are in those types of situations, you understand what pressure is all about. You really do, because you are part of every new cycle in Rio. You're part of every new cycle on national sports. You're part of every single new cycle. And to even augment it even more, if you go down to Argentina, you're part of every single news, political, and sports cycle. So, mm. and if you're with Flamengo, kind of the same thing because Flamengo's always in the news for good, bad, or everything in the middle. But yeah. also Botafogo in in, in over the, the past year with John Texter, and he's he's he, I love him because he he's he's one of those club presidents that's not afraid to speak his mind, and he's been able to do that ever since he's been at Botafogo. I really enjoy seeing that, and that's what ends up putting Botafogo back in in relevance in terms of of news cycles and 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 the interest of collective fans in, in Brazilian football. I think there's a wider thing here for Norwich City and getting towards the end of the conversation. Now, by mm-hmm. the way, thank you for sparing so much time. I appreciate mm-hmm. it. Um, also, it's 2 a.m. in the morning and I'm working tomorrow, so I better, I, better, I better get to bed soon. But in terms of the, the, the wider picture here, what I'm thinking is with these different Brexit rules, with Norwich City operating in a really, really strange section of the market because Mm -hmm. they don't have the spending power of a Premier League club, but they have more spending power than just about anyone else in the championship. Because of that parachute. 
payment, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. And mm-hmm. well, obviously, there's that, that's a kind of double whammy type thing, given mm-hmm. the fact that there's two two recent relegations to enjoy. Um, so yeah, I think that there's there's a really interesting question to be asked about how Norwich City can take advantage of these Brexit rules. I know that you know all of the kind of markets there in South America. Um, I, I think you you know Mexican football quite well. There's going to be, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to have you back on the podcast to talk about another player at some point, if you were willing. No, 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 no. I, you, had me, you had me thinking about Mexico, and I'm like, it's a struggle mm. right now. Really? Yes. Why is that? This group of Mexican players is way way this is probably one of the poorest generations of mexican footballers to be quite honest. wow so we're we going to see a real sort of plunge in terms of their national team's competitiveness at the top level maybe in the next maybe. five years or so maybe now the one coming up might be quite interesting to look at uh, when you know it's, it's unfortunate that for raul jimenez the injury that he suffered ended up really compromising the level that he was at prior to his injury. That's true. He was playing yeah. fantastically well. Yeah, and and Chucky Lozano really hasn't been there. The players in the Mexican League, eh, you, you have Andres Guardado. This is basically his last World Cup. Um, you have... That's crazy. Like That's when you know your age, right? He was a young prospect coming through five minutes ago, and now yeah. he's at the tail end of his career. That's when you realize you're getting old, man. Yeah, and 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 you know Hector Herrera's in in the last you know legs of his career. Is he is, is now playing in MLS? Not because he's playing in MLS. It's just that at, at this stage of his career, he is in the last stages. Uh, you know, he, he is in in the last stage of his career. Coincidentally, of course, man. Oh yeah, no, but that's fine. And he, each and everyone's entitled to to make their own business decisions. So that's the best for him. Then that's the best for him. But uh, when you hear Mexican fans hoping that an 18-year-old that hasn't made his debut with Arsenal end up being the big hope for Mexico in the World Cup, then you know you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. And that's now I'm going to say-, say a joke that Spanish people will get as he probably couldn't hold a candle to Carlos Vela. Yeah, they all think... If you, if you speak then, Spanish, you know you'll what? get that joke. And, yeah, but then, yeah, Charlie Candle. <laughs> no, so that's the thing, though. Like, I, I think... Well, yeah, he's more that- committed than Charlie Candle. Well, I and that goes for a lot in terms of how a football player's career is going to pan out. Argentina, do you think that's a market Norwich City could could potentially yes. exploit? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. More yes, than Brazil, yes, yes. less than Brazil, easier than Brazil. How so? First of all, you have a lot of players that maybe. Uh, well, that that might be a bad comparison because with the Brexit rules, that might end up end up being something that compromises them having a European passport. <laughs> but uh, but uh, if you look at it from the perspective of um, of how much they need to pay, maybe they can mm-hmm. pay less because of the economic situation in Argentina, because of inflation affecting Argentina. And, and maybe you can get a top quality player for much less. Maybe Uruguay is another option as well. Although you're going it might be a little bit pricey. The, yeah, so it's not just that as well. I don't think Uruguay... it's the economics. I mean, if if I told you what some players in the first some players, not all players, what some players in Argentina are able to to hold on a second. That's all right. You've got someone very popular wanting your attention. 
Um, just while you go and deal with that, I would say. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. I, all I, right. Oh, 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 good. Um, yeah. So, the, the, the other if, thing if you look out, at it from that perspective, you end up, um, you you end up seeing that Argentina ends up being a very favorable market for England or for, mm. for, for the Premier League, I should say, and even the championship because of the salaries that, and, and there's some players that want to leave because of it, they, because they, they know that they need to go somewhere else. That's why MLS is picking, you know, the Argentine league apart in terms of transactions and, and the monies that they're able to bring in. MLS is one of the biggest revenue generators in Argentine football, believe it or not. That's interesting. I wouldn't have thought that, given the the prevalence of mm-hmm. Argentinian players on the European continent. That mm-hmm. that surprises me. Um, just thinking on the Argentine thing, the Uruguay. Just just on that, it doesn't mm-hmm. qualify within that ban three status. So mm-hmm. I think that affects the ability to get work yeah. permits for players coming from from that country. On the Argentina thing, though, I'm very very interested when when you begin to think of it within the context of Emiliano Buendia. Because that's a player that has gone to Norwich City and used that as the launch pad to to get his career, to move it on, to become an established Premier League player, to get in the Selección national team of Argentina. All of that stuff, I think, makes it particularly interesting as a market for Norwich City. And it makes me think as well, even though Buendia himself was picked up from Getafe in Spain, I think if you look at Argentina as a market, players there will realise the value of going to Norwich City specifically, not even a club like Norwich City, but Norwich City specifically, and using them as your launch pad to something else. Exactly, and that's what they're going to be looking at going into the future. Which one of those clubs, you know, or even a Fulham at this case, you know, just to give an example of a team that recently was promoted, hey, which team is going to be interesting for me to to be that that stepping stone to a bigger club to, you know, maybe in the Premier League, maybe in Europe, maybe, I don't know, maybe in, even, you know, back in Mexico or, 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 or in the United States. Who knows? But you still, you still end up having a, a player that ends up being very, very um, valued. And that would end up being something very interesting in the long term. Excellent stuff. Now, I think we're getting towards the end of the the, the, the conversation. I, I don't think there's anything in particular we haven't covered about Sarah in particular or anything like that that I'm going to ask. I'm sure I'll think of something that uh, once I'm, I'm, I'm finished the podcast. And any Nordic City fans, if there's anything I haven't asked that you maybe want to ask Juan, then if he's kind enough, I might send him some questions and, and get some back and forth because I know Juan's really good with that kind of stuff. If not, my um, dog will answer. Don't worry about it. <laughs> no, we can definitely hear that. Um, one last thing I would just ask is if there was one thing, or 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 I'll give you latitude to go to two or three if you want, but probably better if you pinpoint one. If there's one thing that's going to define Sarah's success, failure, or plateauing indifference with Norwich City, what would you say that might be? With many young players, it ends up being how they recover from injuries. That okay. might be the first one. His health, how he's able to change some things about uh, playing in Brazil compared to playing in England. It's, it's, mind you, I'm, I'm not saying anything that, that's that's offensive. I'm, I'm, it, it's a much more professional environment. Now, he's at a super professional club in Sao Paulo. The, the issue here is that he's going into a, a situation where you have to be uh, constantly 
in shape. You're, you're going to have a different diet. You're going to have those types of little tweaks that you're going to have to make. Obviously, the language barrier is going to be very important to be able to overcome. But if you understand footballing concepts, and we've seen it already with a few South American players that have come in, especially in the Premier League, when you have those types of players overcome that, be it through performance, through through their own work ethic, and maybe even a willingness to understand and communicate, it's going to be. And also the culture shock. You just mentioned what 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 and where Norwich is, and that is a huge. I mean, it's night and day compared to living in a city that is Thank that has a population of twenty six million people. Yeah, that's so that ends true. up, you know, that whole culture shock. Yeah, that's that's one thing that you have to adapt to. It'll be interesting to see if he's able to do all that. Again, for, for me, it's not the adaptation to the game itself. It's the adaptation to all the extracurricular things. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. And, and, and if he's able to do that, I think that's a huge battle that he wins. And that's the battle he has to win first and foremost. That That's going to be the most interesting thing, actually. That's a fascinating point to end on is... Um, going to the the beautiful surrounds of Norfolk, the Norfolk Broads and all that stuff, as mentioned in the David Bowie song, of course, then I think that is something that 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 may well decide it. And I think it's going to be either a, a victory for Norwich City's culture of being able to integrate a star such as Sarah, or it's going to raise whatever the concerns are or or areas that they could improve in that regard with regards to bringing players in and making sure that they can meld into something, into a culture, into a team environment, and into a club. And that's that's going to be the key thing. But from everything you've told me, Juan, I've got to say, this sounds like this sounds like an exciting piece of business for Norwich City. And I, I think I think fans have probably got a reason to be excited. Would you agree? Yeah, they they should be excited, and and we should. I mean, we'll see. I mean, maybe six months from now, I was like, what this guy? What was this guy talking about? But in the end, uh, you have to see what the entire. I mean, it's it's something that you can't base your investment on six months, maybe on a season, maybe on eighteen months. Then we can revisit this and say, well, this is what went right. This is what went wrong. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. Although, uh, you've actually just reminded me. I've one, one of my better performing podcasts on the on the YouTube channel, at least anyway, and I think on the audio form as well. Thank you to everyone, by the way, for watching the content, listening to the content. And I would appreciate after this if you would share it and tell your friends about it, especially if we've given you some interesting stuff on Sarah here. Uh, but I think one of the best performing podcasts I had was on a player called Christos Cholis, uh, a, a Greek forward who came in, and I think was touted to be a real hot prospect. He was someone that a lot of clubs in Europe were looking at. And I have now sort of got that podcast sitting there saying that he's going to be everything under the sun that he might be. And the guy that I had on it, Graham, was really good, really knowledgeable, fantastic journalist. And I think a lot of what he was saying was right. But I don't think Norwich City are the club that are going to reap the benefits of that because it looks like he's on his way out the door. So... I think it's maybe going to be another club that enjoys the delights of what Christos Schulis could become. And that's it, a sign. It may be. And, 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 and those types of things happen because this, I mean, the whole transfer market is, is very hit or miss. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I was talking to a journalist. Imagine and going to Manchester City, because that's, that's the most prevalent uh, transfer that, that, that mm -hmm. occurred. 
Imagine if Erling Holland doesn't work out and Julian Alvarez ends up being the starting number nine for Manchester City. And people are like, wait, you know, oh, they only spent 21 million. Yeah, but they spent a hundred and something for the other one. And mm. so, and you end up saying, well, why wasn't it the other way around? You know, hindsight's always 2020. And you always end up saying, oh, you know, if only, you know, it ends well, up working man. out that way. Like, you know, the player that you least expect ends up being the most, the highest performer, while the other one is highly though. touted. It's weird, though. Like, yeah. if I think of Pep Guardiola style forward, I think Alvarez is far more in that mode than Erling Haaland. So, he's even said it. Yeah. So he's even said it. He says, Alvarez, Alvarez is, is he, he moves away. He, he's not your typical number nine. He goes from side to side. He can play on the wing. He can play inside. He he can drop back. He And on top of that, I, I think it would be ideal to see him alongside Haaland. And I think that's where Haaland ends up getting... Uh, a lot more goals for him and, and vice versa. But again, we don't know how things are going to pan out. Maybe we do, maybe we don't. But then Holland also, keep in mind, he has a, a recent history of injuries, uh, but it doesn't. So, mm-hmm. so we end up saying, okay, so these, you know, these kinds of things end up working out that way. And that's how the transfer market is. Maybe we end up seeing, you know, we end up, maybe we've seen Sada as the leading goal scorer in the championship. God only knows. We, <laughs> so it, crazier things have happened. My but at friend, the same time, he might not even step on the pitch once. It's just the way it is. Well, that's it. These things, as you say, and I mean, with Jolis, that's, that's, I mean, he did step on the pitch, but there was uh, an incident, I'm not going to go into detail now, but about a penalty kick. And since they are, it just, it just seems to have gone backwards since then, never worked out. And it's sad how these things happen, but yeah. as you see, hit or miss, and, and you've just got to take it as it comes. Now, one, one last thing. If you ever come to the United Kingdom, which I hope you do, and I will definitely be grabbing a coffee. coffee with I you was there do. about. I was. There, I was there in March. Where are you? Oh, I, 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 I thought that. I was in Manchester. Ah, right. Well, what happens is next time you come down, now that you've been on the podcast, it's the honourable thing for me to do is to make sure that I take you to a game at Carroll Road if you have the time. So okay. if you're ever down, and Norwich isn't too far from London, so I would say if you're ever in London for business, for anything, give us a shout, man, and we'll organise it. Sounds good. We'll, Sounds good. We'll I'll Carrow give you Road. 10% of any business too. <laughs> well, that's the way it works with agents in South America and, and oh, those yeah. kind of markets. So yeah, happy well, yeah, days, of man. course. You you get part of the transfer fee, right? That's the rumor. Be- beautiful stuff, man. Beautiful stuff. I'm in the wrong game. Definitely am. Should have been an agent. Anyway, right. I'm gonna finish up there, guys. Thank you very much. If you have watched this podcast or listened to it, wherever you have done, remember you can find all of the Hodgie the Hack podcasts on the Hodgie the Hack YouTube channel. And as well as that, you can find Hodge on Nodge on all your favorite podcast players. I'm really grateful for everyone that has listened. I'm also grateful for the patience of everyone when it comes to the fact that due to my working schedule and all of the rest of it, I've not been able to get quite as many podcasts out as I had wanted. But that's going to be changing. More and on about that. But before I let you go, Juan, is there anywhere people can find you and find your stuff? And what kind of work might they hear you on? Because I know you always post some nice clips of your commentary, man. Yeah. Um, So where can um, people find them? uh, Well, right now, I I don't know. I'm not sure where in the UK... Do you listen to the art? I think live score. I mean, I, I can't tell you, but if I, if I do find out, I'll put it on social media. Uh, I, I think good. it's on one football or mm-hmm. live score. One or two. I'm not exactly sure. So I don't, I don't want to go and start saying, yeah. Um, but social media wise, where can people get you? Um, world feed for Libertadores in Sudamericana. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't know where it's at uh, <laughs> in the UK. 
Uh, they never tell us, so they say, "Hey, just go in there, put on the headset, and, and call the games." I'm like, "Where, where, where are we?" No, no, I, I have no clue, for the most part. Um, all of my best goal commentaries have gone out in Canada, and I've never seen them, man. So there we go. Oh, okay, oh, if that, if that, okay that makes done. me feel better. I mean, yeah. I, in the U.S., in Canada, Australia, I know where it's at, and in the Middle mm. East, I know where it's at. But outside of that, I, I don't, and, and it ends up being frustrating because people ask, "Hey," I'm like, "I don't know." And then sometimes I have to say certain things. I'm like, oh, maybe not. Maybe that's not yeah, a good idea to say, if you know what I mean. We've always got <laughs> no. to stay clear of that. Do you want to share your personal socials or are you happy with that, man? Uh, you can, um, on, on social media, Instagram and, and Twitter, Juan G underscore Arango, A-R-A-N-G-O. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for right now. And, fine, uh, you know, I mean, the, as far as platforms on, on which I'm going to be on, Every so often, you'll probably also see me on Al Jazeera. Uh, I, I do Excellent. some of their South American stuff whenever they they need uh, football stories. I'm I'm one of their guys for South America and also for North America in terms of uh, football stories that do emerge. So there, um, and, I've uh, also noticed that you do a bit of basketball writing, which is another area that means every every so, well, not so much now, but there was a point where I was doing a lot of stuff, especially with with the Miami Heat. Uh, team that I mean I've covered them for 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 a couple for a couple of publications and then also when I was the when I Back was the South American when I was a South American correspondent for Diario Sport actually I, I, I yeah I know but but you know what it, it is what it is and uh, I'm just saying that because I'm a Magic fan man don't 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 oh don't no I, hey man I, I, at least at least the Heat have won three NBA titles so you know and I've got to see them do that <laughs> oh, so. we went there did we we went there did we so guys and thank they've you been very much. they've been close to they've been they've been able to win, cl- been very they've been able to get to the Eastern Conference Finals at least twice in the last three years so that's I, I what can, happens with Pat Riley man if you've got Pat Riley there he's turning guys that you haven't by the way we've deviated right for football so if you've turned off by now I don't blame you but what I will say is after that comment thank you for enjoying Juan Arango's last appearance <laughs> on the <laughs> no, nice one. it could mate. be worse you could be a Lakers fan yeah, mate, I would never do that um, even the yellow in the colour scheme don't, don't overthink it um, might interest you to know Milwaukee Brewers uh, have actually the the ownership group of the Milwaukee Brewers have expressed a bit of an interest in Norwich City and potentially buying some sort of shareholding in the club. And mm-hmm. one aspect of that that did not strike me until I spoke on my last podcast about it was the colour scheme and the correlation with the Green Bay Packers and the fact you've obviously stayed at Wisconsin, you know. Yeah, so, well, well a, I mean, aren't, aren't they still? Aren't they still? Uh, it shows you how much I haven't seen baseball in the past few years. Aren't they still yellow and blue? I'm talking about the Brewers. Oh, uh, I thought there was a bit. So no, sorry, it's the Packers correlation. Just that that's I weird because the Packers wrong. are the Packers are still owned by the city, by, by the yeah. fans. So yeah, yeah. Sorry, I just mean the state, the state of Wisconsin. So that's my yeah. link there, if it's not too spurious. But anyway, we're, we're, we're deviating. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, All everyone, right. for watching. Make sure and share the podcast and on the ball city.